So the big question is this, how do entrepreneurial salespeople like us who have traditionally sold alone and used gut and intuition to hit their number, take their innate talents and begin selling using science, technology, and the secrets of thousands who have done it before to crush their quota and change the world? That is the question, and this podcast provides the answers. Today, we're going to be talking about hiring. Jeez, that's an important topic. Why don't we talk about this more? I feel like data is being used in different areas, um, certainly in sales and marketing. I don't know, HR, you know, which obviously is involved in hiring, doesn't seem to be as behind. They seem to be more behind than other departments. But I'm just guessing on that. That's why we decided to bring on Dr. Christopher Croner, principal at Sales Drive. Um, Christopher, thanks for joining. And how the heck are you? Gabe, it's a pleasure to be here. I'm doing wonderful. How are you? Ah, well, it's, uh, you can see I've got, uh, well, you can't, well, you can see, but the audience can't see. I've got my Hawaiian shirt on. It's Friday here. So, so, um, we're ready for the weekend, but uh, this is such an important topic. I'm excited to get into it. Let's just hear real quick about yourself and maybe what you guys do over there. Sales drive. Sure. At sales drive, we help companies hire and develop high potential hunter salespeople mm. using our online assessment, the drive test. Oh, the drive test. Yes. If you haven't heard of it, you're going to hear about it. Um, and then what's your background? Obviously you've got the PhD. Sounds like you've been doing this type of stuff for a while. Mm-hmm. Yeah. My background initially in clinical psychology, um, as I was finishing that up, I re-specialized in industrial organizational psychology. So I started out uh, doing assessments similar to what is called an executive assessment yes. for salespeople. Yes. To bring in not only a personality test, but also an interview process, you know, a two-hour interview, hmm. sometimes intelligence testing, a very thorough battery, if you will. That's how I kind of got my start. I've uh, been doing that research now for, gosh, about 16 years. Wow. So we work at this point with over, um, it's getting close to 1,000 companies now around the world. Uh, enjoy the work, enjoy the opportunity to share uh, the concrete steps that companies can take, if you will, to consistently hire high potential hunter salespeople. I love it. I love it. Um, outside of work, anything you're passionate about? I mean, it sounds like you've been doing this business for a long time. Um, mm-hmm. you, any hobbies, embarrassing moments? You uh, you play in a rock band or you uh, ah. like to watch cartoons on Saturday? Anything crazy? <laughs> you know, a few years back, I wanted to improve my skill at public speaking. So to do so, um, I got involved in a program here in Chicago called Second City. I went through their introduction to improv program. It's a year-long program. It really gets you good at being comfortable in front of an audience, especially going out there when you know you don't necessarily have a script. And I figured if I could get good at that, interesting. Then moving to the realm of a prepared presentation, that'd be nothing. Yeah. So I went through that program. Had a great time doing it. I got to. I was lucky enough. I got to be the person that opened up our show that we did. That was kind of our final exam, if you will. And uh, it was a lot of fun. It's definitely been very very helpful in terms of the. Uh, the skill that I sought out to improve. Man, you just can't do that enough. You know, I've always considered myself the best at everything I do. And um, I've had multiple people tell me I'm not as good at public speaking as I think. And so <laughs> I can't blame you. <laughs> yeah, I mean, it's something you can always improve on. And in your mm-hmm. type of role, uh, where you are a little more visible, you're right. That's that's uh, probably not a bad thing to do. Well, let's get into this. Let's get into hiring for a minute. I want to start just big picture. Um, hiring, I considered, and I mentioned this in pre-show, we do a survey. We ask leaders all the time what their top challenges are in sales. And, and hiring, it always comes in high. And I just want to, I just want to ask you, and I did actually try to ask some of these leaders, like, why is it? 
such a problem? Like, why are leaders having such a hard time hiring? Well, particularly with salespeople, you know, people tend to correct. Yeah, salespeople tend to get the idea that it's a crapshoot, and they become complacent in this in the sense that they accept that that's just the situation. That's just the way it is. It's hard to hire salespeople. So our strategy will be: we'll just bring as many as we can on board. A certain percentage will stick. A certain percentage won't. Oh well, and that's kind of their standard process that they get used to. Um, there is actually a step-by-step process that companies can use to dramatically increase their odds mm. of bringing people on board that have, again, those non-teachable characteristics that are particularly important for success when we're talking about hunters, when we're talking about those that have to focus on new account acquisition. Because, of course, we found that that tends to be the position, that hunter position, that most companies have the greatest degree of difficulty hiring for. The reason for that is because, as you can imagine, you meet so many candidates that, yeah. quite frankly, are very skilled. Yeah. in the interview process at presenting themselves yeah. as an effective hunter. Oh. But then, yeah, because they're yeah, salespeople. They're good actors, you know, right? They're just naturally yeah. a little better in front of people versus, you know, a developer. They maybe don't have those kind of just natural relationship skills. So most salespeople, they can trick you in the interview. That's That probably is true. Yep, exactly. That's, that's that, um, that skill that some people may have just in that one-on-one meeting. They can present themselves as you know, I'm going to be a great hunter. I'm going to be up every morning at six o'clock. I'll be in my territory every day until nine o'clock. And, you know, I'm, I'm the guy and or I'm the girl. And, that, and again, the uh, sales manager can oftentimes, especially if they have a territory that's been lying there fallow, think cavalry's here. Yes. Yeah. Because it feels good to be sold. Yeah. And then, of course, again, down the road, a year down the road, they don't necessarily live up to the promises that yeah. they make. Yeah. So that's why we set out to understand what is it that really differentiates the high-performing hunters. And I want to get into this concept of what here in just a second, but um, you know, I I just so you got one part. I want to I want to ask this other question, and it's just this idea of um, why are we behind in hiring? Like I said at at the beginning, I kind of feel like you know, InsightSales.com. We we're kind of an AI-based shop, AI sales, and we've got some data and our technology and we've got lead scoring and um, we've got kind of this where you reach out and we can tell you the right phone number to call and blah, blah, blah. But I'm just, wh- why do you feel like leaders have been a little slower to adopt? Seems like that should have been what we led with. I mean, shouldn't we have gotten to data-driven hiring years? We've been hiring for literally hundreds, hundreds of years. Now, I know we've been doing sales for hundreds of years, but mm-hmm. let's put that aside. Let's just talk about hiring. Why have we been to hiring, you know, with such weird things? tactics for so long is it just because it's we we don't trust the data we don't want to go there any thoughts on that part of it sure well particularly in sales uh there's this element of you know you if you're sitting down as a new sales manager for example and you're interviewing candidates you're thinking to yourself what am i going to look for well i guess i should look for someone who's um nice who comes across as very positive and then they get used to those very, very basic techniques, if you will, over time, and they don't necessarily develop. They become almost, as we were talking about before, superstitious yeah. about it, where they have this idea that, okay, if the person comes across positively, if they have the gift of gab, if you will, that's going to be enough. And I just know that if I see that person sell me a pencil, they, they, they've got what it takes. And that's really not at all what it's about. That's the problem with sales, though, is that everyone has their own idea of what is it that really leads to success. And they tend to, in that hiring process oftentimes, in a very informal way, focus more or less on the things that, quite frankly, you can probably teach. Yeah. And they ignore the ones that you can't. Yeah, well, let's get into that for a minute. I mean, let, let's start just at that spot. I mean, you've kind of started to break out these different types of concepts, meaning like teachable skills and innate talents. Mm-hmm. Um, what, um, 
it sounds like you know either your research or your 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 background. I mean, what what is the difference between those, and are they both important, or what? You've, you've, again, I've heard that now twice. What's the differentiate them, and why? What do people need to be thinking about skills versus talent, or whatever sure. you may use the word for it? I'm I'm using talent, but you may have a different word for it. Oh, sure. So, uh, by way of background, just to back up a l- little bit, again, we got started as I mentioned about 16 years ago now, mm-hmm. researching everything that had been published on this topic. What is it that makes a great salesperson yeah. over the last, what, 85, almost 90 years now? Hmm. As well as doing our own work, doing behavioral interviews with sales candidates, and then circling back with their managers thereafter to find out who really does become successful. And when we looked at all of that data, we found many of the things that you might expect to be important were, in fact, very important. Things like, say, persuasiveness, that's a, a skill, uh, relationship skills, organizational skills, all of those were important. But above and beyond any of those by far were these three non-teachable characteristics Hmm. that continue to stand out and in particular differentiate the higher performing hunter salespeople. Uh Uh-oh. Now now you've got me on my seat. Now you've got me on my seat. All right. What's number one? Let's go go through them. Of course. The first one is what we call the need for achievement. And when we talk about the need for achievement, we're talking about the person who wants to do well just for the sake of doing well. So the person who's high in need for achievement just naturally wants to set the bar high. They want to jump over that. Then they want to set it even higher again the next time. Hmm. So they're constantly focused on producing excellence just for the sake of excellence. That's that first piece. Again, that kid in school that just has to get in there. And it's, a, it's an area that a lot of sales managers wouldn't naturally gravitate to. They'll think, well, I want to get somebody who's um, a great athlete. That can be important, but we've got to look at other things too. We'll get to that in a minute. It's, mm. it's an area that doesn't necessarily naturally correlate in people's minds Got with it. success in sales. Okay, so, so achievement, yeah. so it's, it, it is this, but it's not just, a high, it, well, I guess it is a high achieving mentality. I mean, you always mm-hmm. want to continue to outperform what you've done before. That's number one. Exactly. So, for example, we'll get in a conversation with a sales manager who's frustrated with hiring, frustrated okay. with underperformers. Yep. And in that conversation, they will talk about their frustration that they have uh, several salespeople, for example, whom they have seen sell very effectively before. They know they have what it takes, if you will, in terms of skill. Yep. But for some reason, quarter after quarter, their performance is just flatlined. Yeah. And they're left asking, wait a minute. How could someone who I know they can sell, what's going on here psychologically? We talk about these folks in the book, we call them the flatliners. Then later on in that same discussion, when we're asking them, well, what do you look for when it comes to hiring? They'll say, well, I look for someone who has, say, a mortgage, a couple of car payments, kids in school, all these external pressures that motivate them. And yes, those external pressures can be very motivating, no doubt. But eventually, when the person is being motivated by those external pressures, those external pressures are going to be relieved. Hmm. And now the key question is, what kind of energy are they going to bring to bear at that point? Oftentimes, they now need, they now know what they need to phone in quarter after quarter to maintain. Whereas hmm. the person motivated by need for achievement will continue to excel. Oh They'll God. continue to produce. Money is still important to them, but they look at money, say, the same way that a great athlete looks at points on the scoreboard. It's how they show how well they've done rather than their goal in and of itself, if you will. Does that make sense? Yeah, interesting. Yeah, you're right. I mean, motivation. Sometimes people are really motivated with money, but high achievers, it is about accomplishing and then beating oneself. That makes perfect sense. I I don't know if I fall exactly into I like to think I'm that person, but um, I I certainly understand. All right, so that's number one. So high achievement was number one. What's number two? The second one is competitiveness. And the competitive salesperson we find really wants to do two things. Number one, they want to be the best among their peers. And number two, 
They want to win the customer over to their point of view hmm. because to them, uh, psychologically, that sale is kind of like a contest of wills. So they've got, again, they've got that desire to be the best among their peers and win the customer over to their point of view. And then the third piece is optimism. And that's the salesperson's sense of certainty that they will succeed as well as their resiliency to hang in there when they face the inevitable rejection that a salesperson has to face. Because when you think about it, the person that's going to be an effective hunter, what are we looking for? We're looking for someone that's going to, whether it's by phone yep. or in person, yep. knock on the door, if you will, yep. get that door slammed in their face, then knock on the next door with that much more certainty and enthusiasm. And psychologically, that's a very special person that we're talking about. And it's those three characteristics all together uh, that we find creates sort of the perfect storm. Interesting. And collectively, we refer to those as drive. As drive. Oh, interesting. Okay. Do you feel like, um, okay, so we got the three characteristics, and I think I've got a little bit of an idea as to what they are. How do you, when you try to figure out these characteristics, like, I mean, you you just study a bunch of sales reps. I mean, I don't want to get too nerdy on our audience (laughs) here, but... How do you actually come up with these three things? I mean, I, you, again, I know you mentioned you've done some interviews and stuff, but do you mm-hmm. study a bunch of different characteristics and try to... Oh, apply, sure. What, what's what's our, kind of the... In our, research, in our research over time, in terms of especially developing and validating our assessment, looking at groups of salespeople who are successful, what is it that differentiates those from their less successful peers, yeah. if you will? And then quantifying that and finding out that, again, of the characteristics that we're looking for, it's these big three, if you will, need for achievement, competitiveness, and optimism that are standing out. Is, you know, they really differentiate those high performers. Do you feel like it's um, different roles require different um, characteristics? So I guess in this case, we are. We're talking about the prospector, that hunter. That's mm-hmm. kind of the characteristics that went in, went in hunting. Would you right. argue that um, closing then would be different characteristics or you know, managing customers more appropriately, like a client success, that would be different, different characteristics for different roles or um, how does that work per role? Oh, sure. So somebody who's going to focus on closing still needs many of these uh, characteristics that need for achievement, especially because they can do that in an elegant way or a less elegant way. And of course, the more recent research shows that, that, uh, that effective work up front in the sales cycle really leads to that effective close at the end of the cycle, if Hmm. you will. Uh, In terms of management, that's an interesting discussion. Because the person that's going to be an effective sales manager, as I'm sure you know, is very different often right. from a great salesperson. The key distinction, or a key distinction, is when the person has been an effective individual contributor, yeah. they have gotten results through their own efforts. So. Now, asking them to move to a management role, they now have to get results through others. Right. That's a very different ballgame, of course. And it's going to be very different characteristics or attributes that would lead to success than, than potentially just drive, right? Of course. So again, drive can still be important at, at some level, but not as much as, say, the person's ability to hold others accountable, yeah. to be an effective leader, Fair. Uh, to, to make sure that they're making sure that the entire team is following the vision for the team, etc. Mm. That's very, very different psychologically. And oftentimes people who have been successful uh, on the hunter side think that that is the next step for them in their career. And then they get put into that role and they're miserable. Because they don't get to do the thing that they loved anymore. <laughs> yeah, no, totally. Um, I mean, in sales, it's funny. You see that happen probably too often. Do you mm-hmm. feel like, um, I mean, I assume a lot of the leaders, a lot of people who are listening to this are thinking, hmm, you know, that intuitively some of that may sound right. I, I get that this concept of drive is probably important. A lot of us lack the ability to be able to measure that in a structured format. And I know you guys... Um, offer some formal assessments around that. If you were sitting with some leaders and 
wanted to give them a couple tips on how they could start to think about just in their own conversations. They're probably doing interviews. I mean, I did an interview literally just before this, just before this recording here. Um, mm-hmm. Is there any tips that you would kind of say, why don't you try to weave this into your typical talk track to start thinking about getting drive as part of that characteristic trait for top salespeople? Oh, yeah, of course. So relative to the interview process, we know obviously the best predictor of future behavior is previous behavior. Hmm. So asking the person about behaviors that they've engaged in in the past that are related to these characteristics hmm. will help us to predict whether they're going to actually engage in those behaviors in the future. So, for example, when it comes to need for achievement, a quick question you can ask, what kinds of sacrifices have you had to make to be successful? What does that person consider to be a sacrifice? Was it maybe they had to come in and work a couple weekends last year? Or was it something more substantial? Hmm. Now compare that to the kinds of sacrifices you've had to make and you've seen your highest producers have to make. Yeah. Tell me about the greatest goal you ever accomplished professionally. Really have the person uh, describe that and flesh it out for you. Then you can reflect back to them. You have to be proud of that. Yeah. How do you tend to top it? Again, the person high in need for achievement has a plan to top it, and they're excited about the opportunity to tell you about it. Or finally, for optimism, tell me about a time when you remain persistent, even though everyone else around you gave up. Yeah. Now tell me about another time. Interesting. Do you feel, so a lot of it does come down to finding what your top performers do, what they're like, what, what they're winning, and then finding more of that. I mean, that's kind of the basic idea. In many ways, yes, although there's a key distinction here in the world of sales. That, that uh, approach works in many different positions. However, as you can imagine, um, in terms of these characteristics, we're not looking at them on the basis of a curve, if you will. Mm-hmm. So any given company and their group of salespeople, that's the group they have. That's yep. great. Um, they're going to they're gonna have uh, scores from high to, to low, if you will, in terms of their production and performance, and that's all going to be relative to that group. Hmm. The challenge you may find, if you're looking at, say, the top producers in the group, that happens to be the top producer that person got. Okay, they may not have been hired looking for things like, like drive. So just by virtue of the fact that they're in a the large group, they're the top person in that group, don't always necessarily want to use them as, say, the benchmark yeah. all of the time, because uh, many I different see. things can lead to their success. I Oftentimes, see. it's better to say, okay, Here's sort of the average level of drive, if you will, in the existing group. Okay, great. Then as natural attrition occurs and as we begin to hire, what can we do on the hiring side to make sure that we're bringing people on board that have those characteristics and then watching that average uh, production, if you will, rise over time? Yeah. I mean, do you seem like, I mean, again, this sometimes I'm like, I hear this. I'm like, God, it seems kind of obvious. Why do you feel like leaders have been slow to adopt this kind of concept? I mean, whether it's, again, using a formal assessment like you guys offer, or really even just getting real structured about kind of trying to ask questions that, you know, maybe simulate or help me understand if these people can be much more like my top performers. Great question. Um, what is it that uh, stops people from adopting a technique like that? Well, it, it requires a, a degree of discipline, if you will, in terms of building a structured process. I'm always happy to help. We're happy to share interview guides. We have a one-on-one interview guide. I'd be happy to share awesome. with anyone who's awesome. just listening now. Just let me know. And in, in terms of um, their con- their conception of how the interview works. Yeah. Um, oftentimes people haven't had any type of formal training. Yep. And frankly, they may just not like having a structured process. They may prefer to have more of a conversation with the person because again, because we're talking about sales, oftentimes they're thinking about, okay, I want to determine, is this person likable? Yeah. You know, that tends to be an area that in most interviews can come up. In sales, it can be particularly pernicious because yeah. yes, someone can be likable in that one-on-one <laughs> conversation and that's great. But can they sustain 
that type of performance going on over time. And again, relationship skills are important, but underneath the surface, do they really have that passion to do well? And anybody can come into the interview kind of prepared with their, their canned anecdotes. In fact, many of the books out there that talk about how do you interview effectively, they suggest that the candidate, if at all possible, take over the interview. So if that manager isn't sitting down, waiting and ready with a set series of questions to ask, yeah. which, again, I'm happy to provide, that can it oftentimes out of contribute to go off the rails. Yeah. Now the candidate's kind of given their planned speech. It's sounding really good because in that example before, we've got this open territory. I think this could be our person. And then, <laughs> oh, six months down the road, a year down the road, not the person. Because, again, they weren't going after even if they looked at motivation. And they looked at the idea of drive. They may know intrinsically, personally, that drive is important. Yeah, but do I mean, you know what it really means? And it's really those three pieces. And then how do we go after those pieces in the interview process? And then ideally before that, uh, on the screening side, in the assessment process. I was going to say, it just seems like the, the best of both worlds, if we could just bring that together. Because I love the idea of... Um, you know, just making sure that I feel like this person works with me and, and kind of just have a good conversation with them. And, and mm-hmm. you know, I like that, you know, whatever. It's like there's just a good rapport between us, right? Mm-hmm. Um, but it's, you know, sad. I think sometimes people feel like they got to go completely one way or the other. But it seems like if we could merge the two together, um, you know, because what would be ideal is you, you run through people through a screening process. Um, to make sure they've got kind of those natural innate talents or innate mm-hmm. characteristics. And then, you know, from there, you take that pool of people and then maybe you just have a conversation and try to decide the ones that are likable and maybe a culture fit and you kind of merge the art yes. and the science. But sadly, it doesn't seem like we can find that balance very often. <laughs> yes. There are some companies that are very skilled. Other companies are just learning. Yeah. Uh, but but really, it is you're exactly right. It's about finding each of those pieces together. At the end of the day, um, what we might think of as kind of the sales ecosystem mm-hmm. comes into play in ter- terms of determining how successful the person is going to be. So yes, uh, personality characteristics drive, that's very important. Right. Uh, that's sort of like a great athlete, you know, how high can they jump? How fast can they run? Right. But then also fit with the company culture, mm-hmm. fit with the management style, fit with the compensation plan. Again, like an athlete, all of those things at the end of the, the day come uh, to determine whether the person will be successful. In this case, we're looking at that natural athletic ability, but yes, of course, also, do you get along with the person? Do you kind of bond with them? That's mm. that cultural bit. That's absolutely important, too. It's all about making sure you give yourself the opportunity during that hiring process to look at each of those things. I love it. I love it. Well, Christopher, really appreciate it. Um, sounds like you've been <laughs> – this isn't your first rodeo. You're I welcome. can tell that. Um, in, sum- in summary, um, any statements or anything you'd kind of leave for the audience um, as they think about kind of getting more data-driven in their hiring process? Sure. If there's one thing I would like uh, the audience to maybe walk away with, um, it's the importance of making sure to use some type of an assessment early on in your hiring process and make sure you're going after drive, especially if you're looking for hunters. That would be the one thing I would highly emphasize. If they would like, they can always come to our website, uh, salesdrive.info, request a complimentary assessment, hit the green button right there, and I'd be delighted to uh, schedule a call with them if they would like to walk them through the results. Uh, and give them as much guidance as possible. That's for any sales managers out there who want to test that on a sales candidate, maybe a current sales person. They want to test them. That's absolutely fine. I'm happy to help in any way I can. There's no charge. Awesome. Awesome. And they can find that right on your website there at salesdrivetest.com? Uh, salesdrive.info. Salesdrive.info is where they'd find mm-hmm. it. Fantastic. We'll make sure we put that in the show notes. Um, if they want to continue the conversation with you as well, Christopher, LinkedIn, or what's the best way to get in contact with you? Sure. Uh, LinkedIn's great. Uh, they can also contact me directly at ccroner, all one word, at salesdrive.info. Fantastic. Well, again, Dr. Christopher, I probably need to make sure I 
use the doctor, apologize. Thank you so much for joining. Um, I know it was a little bit of an informal conversation. Very meaty topic, very important to get data-driven in your hiring process. So again, thanks so much for joining. For the audience, remember, success is just one play away. Want more sales secrets? Go to salessecrets.io to receive copies of our latest research and best practice content to help you crush your quota.